0: This is Kona Bible Church. Thanks for listening. We pray that you will experience God's blessing as you consider Pastor Brian's latest message from his series, Wrestling with God, from the book of Genesis. Genesis 11, 1-9 says this, The whole earth had a common language and a common vocabulary. When the people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Then they said to one another, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick instead of stone and tar instead of mortar. Then they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered across the face of the entire earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people had started building. And the Lord said, If as one people, all sharing a common language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be beyond them. Come, let's go down and confuse their language so they won't be able to understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there across the face of the entire earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why its name was called Babel, Because there the Lord confused the language of the entire world, and from there the Lord scattered them across the face of the entire earth." This is the passage, uh, one of the passages that uh, when we were in our series on Acts, that I was thinking about, because as we reflected in Acts, we thought about how the Holy Spirit was this gift given to overcome our corruption. And as you go through the book of Acts, you see a number of corruptions that got put into humanity. And seeing the Holy Spirit overcoming those things and really giving us a deliverer uh, from the judgment of a number of different things. And language was one of those things we saw so early on in the book of Acts. And so after we left Acts, I thought, well, let's go back and see how the corruption was originated. And so uh, this is one of those passages that we are looking at. So we are in the final chapter here of the first part of Genesis. Genesis 1 through 11 is kind of this, this block. And it's uh, interesting how it just worked out. It's almost like somebody planned out his sermon so that he would end with a block and then be able to... Eh, you guys don't appreciate all the fine-tuning that I do here preaching. Uh, anyhow, we'll be picking up chapter 12 through 50 when I get back. Not all in one sermon. It'll be about a year or so in uh, Genesis. But we'll pick that up when, when I get back. But here ends kind of... The first section of Genesis 1 through 11. We've seen a number of things come across in this section. But really what we've kind of titled this entire series is wrestling with God. The idea of will you trust him and his word. And so Andrea, what an what a interesting thing to be able to uh, you know, hear your testimony and see the journey you're on. And really begin to uh, be wrestling with God through those things, and you'll, you'll be—I think—surprised. I won't. We won't. We shouldn't be surprised. But the Holy Spirit, you know, set this up for you to testify today uh, with what's going on. So, thank you for that. Uh, we see a number of different things that we can wrestle with God on, and the first eleven chapters are kind of like, I guess, what I would call prehistory. And, and when I say that prehistory, it means. You know, I wasn't there, is what it means. So we can sit down and we can argue about a lot of different things if we wanted to, Uh, talk about creation of the world, did it happen in six days, did it happen over billions of years, Uh, or any of the 17 views in between. Uh, We could talk about that. But the reality is that's not really the point. Uh, When I think about that, I always think, well, I wasn't there. So he can do whatever he wants to do, and I trust that it all come out in the wash. Now, it doesn't mean I don't have uh, opinions on the uh, topic and, and thoughts about it. But I'm not going to belabor those kind of things that create dissension between us. What we really want to do is we want to kind of come back to, okay, there's a creator God. And what is he saying in these first 11 books? One of the things that he's saying is, I'm the one who decides what is good and what is evil. Not you. Not you. I get to decide that because I'm the creator. And so one of the things that we wrestle through are not just the scientific slash word of God things that are happening kind of almost in the prehistory era, but we're really coming back to this idea of going, well, wait a minute, corruption gets introduced to the human race. And once corruption gets introduced uh, by mankind elevating his will above God's will, then, well, we could say this, I think, correctly, all hell breaks loose uh, when that gets, uh, gets introduced. And so we begin to think about a number of things. One of these things that we think about is this idea of wrestling with God. Have, have you been wrestling with him? The name Israel literally means that. Or maybe even from God's perspective, you could say God contends with man. And, and that's such an interesting dynamic, I think, to have God contending with us. And our response is, well, I'm going to wrestle right back then. Uh, and, and yet, God blesses this journey of faith that we're on, wrestling with Him and contending with us. Because, after all, doing right does not come naturally to us. Because of that corruption of our character, it doesn't come naturally to us. So, so naturally, we don't know the things that, and the ways to experience life. So, God comes down, and He comes down, and He goes, I'm going to contend with you. Because what I want you to experience is I want you to experience life. And then we wrestle back and we go, I don't, I don't know that I trust that that's, that's going to lead to life. And so we have a number of different ways that this is all playing out. A lot of times, though, it really focuses on this aspect of our will. Having our will above God's will. Uh, and so be prepared for that all throughout Scripture to be Contending, God contending with your will. Well, we have been made in the image of God. This is what I've been calling the charter of mankind. And we saw last week how the charter got expanded a little bit. But here's the, the essence of it is produce life everywhere. That, that's being made in the image of God. God is a life giver. And then he makes us in his image. And we are also to produce life everywhere we go. Uh, that's going to be important for today. We are to bring order out of the chaos. I love that, how chaos exists even before the corruption. That is such an important thing to understand about our existence, about our charter of, of mankind, to understand well, wait a minute, we have been made in the image to bring order out of the chaos and to give it a purpose. And we're supposed to do these in things called communities. And the most basic communities that we can think of are families and churches. And uh, we'll see more about that. Well, we've talked about the pathway of corruption. We've talked about our corrupted nature. And then last week, we talked about this beautiful thing called judgment. Beautiful thing called judgment, right? I, I, I just get so irritated by the, the, even the thought of judgment. But when it is paired with a deliverer, all of a sudden, the whole dynamic changes, right? Because if you think about, like, typically, the judges in your life, they're not usually able then to deliver you. They're very easy to be able to judge you, but they cannot deliver you. They do not have the power to deliver you. And and this is one of the things that I think our culture needs to have framed for them so regularly in our conversations with them. Because our culture thinks, or when they think of God, they think of him as a distant killjoy, cosmic killjoy, just judging, boop, boop, boop. But he's not that, folks. God is a judge, but he's also a deliverer. We sang about it in our, in our songs today. He judges, but he always pairs judgment with deliverance. And so you have this beautiful uh, dynamic of God being an intimate Personal God, who is going to judge us for the corruption that we experience, but He's not going to just judge and like the typical judge and walk away and point the finger. He's going to come and He's going to say, "And now, here's how I'm going to deliver you." Yeah, that's that's like an amen-worthy, probably. Amen. I know. Any of you girls, Baptist girls? Amen. Yeah, all right. There we go. All right, I need a good Baptist girl in here shouting out amen. So God judges. But he delivers. We saw that last week, and please work that into your worldview as you as you begin to construct a worldview that is that is true. Please understand that God is a judge, but He's a deliverer as well. Well, we have this chaos conflict that's going on here in our world because the chaos exists prior to corruption. But guess what happens when corruption gets introduced to the chaos? It makes it worse. Think about Adam and Eve for a second. Here they are, they're in the Garden of Eden, and there's a little bit of chaos going on. God has given them this charter to go produce life everywhere, give it order, give it purpose, and do it in community. And yet, uh, they're not even thinking. Like, no corruption, right? So so they don't have any cares in the world. But as soon as corruption gets introduced, all the, the doubts start to stir up. You you see it immediately in the life of Cain that we already kind of looked at, but he asked the question after he murders his brother, he goes, well, this judgment is too unfair, first of all, and how am I going to be protected as I go into the chaos? Who is going to provide for me as I go into the chaos? These are basic, natural questions that we all have that Adam and Eve really didn't experience until the corruption comes in and creates all kinds of doubt for them. So now, all of a sudden, think about those questions for yourself. This is a very personal sermon. But you can begin to ask those questions, who is going to provide for me? Who is going to protect me as I am being sent into the chaos? I I believe that he has sent me. Your, Michaeli, your testimony is exactly the same thing. And I would say, For YWAM students, probably, that's one of the best things in seminary students. One of the best things is to get together and hear provision stories. Because it just doesn't stop. Because when you do have the faith that God calls you into the chaos to go bring order and purpose, that he will provide and protect for you. But that's not a a normal response, right? That's a God-empowered response in order to be able to do that. And so really this chaos conflict is, you can have two two responses to it. You can respond in faith. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to see uh, the response of faith. Are you going to make a name for God or are you going to make a name for yourself? The response of faith comes in and says, oh, I hear the charter that I have been given to go into the chaos and to bring order and purpose, to produce life everywhere and yet, in that process, what is stirring because of the corruption that we experience, what is stirring in my heart are these questions of going, but how? How am I going to provide? Uh, that, how am I going to be provided for? And how am I going to be protected? The chaos is crazy. I, I'm nervous about the chaos. I, I don't want to go into the chaos alone. And that's kind of ridiculous to trust some invisible being talking about how he's going to provide and protect me. But that is the faith response. It comes back to recognizing, going, wait a minute, there's a creator. We are made in his image, and we are to reflect his glory to the world. And so we have this opportunity then by faith to really go, all right, I'm going to make a name for you. So it is your reputation that is at stake. You know, that's what the psalmist repeats Over and over, you cannot escape how often the psalmist is writing and saying, For the sake of your reputation, Lord, deliver me. For the sake of your reputation, provide for me. For the sake of your reputation, protect me as I go into the chaos and live out my calling that you have given to me and all of mankind To go bring order and purpose to the chaos and bring life everywhere. This is all throughout scripture. These cries of the heart, because I think the psalmist is well aware, uh, it takes faith to do that. It's one thing to know it in your head, but you have to move it from your head down into your heart to really believe and be able to take that step and, and then say, okay, I'm not banking on anybody else, but I'm banking on you. Because you're the one who promised that if we live out this calling to bring glory to your name, that you will do it. So the response of, of faith is, is one of the ways that you can work your way through the, the, the conflict of chaos. You can respond with faith, but it takes that determination and recognition that it's not about you. So when you get together and you tell your provision stories, it's not about coming up here to the microphone and testifying and going, hey, guys, it was so cool. Uh, I mean, it was awesome how I provided and protected for myself. No, no, it's all about going, wait a minute, my life is simply a reflection of God doing this, and let me take that image of God to my friends, my family, my neighbors, and my coworkers into the community so that his name can be exalted You see, what what he's asking us to do, he's asking us to construct communities that serve one another, right? I mean, this is the whole idea that we do this in faith, Uh, we do it by doing it in community. And so if we do it in community, these communities are communities that serve one another. It's not about serving yourself, it's about serving one another. And, And you think then about, well, wait a minute, what were those communities we talked about? We talked about marriage And we talked about churches. And wouldn't it be nice in this world if we had marriages like Doug and Ruth here, 55 years of two people devoted to saying our marriage is going to be a reflection of God's glory because we are not in this to serve ourselves. We are in it to serve one another. See, that's how we serve God, by serving one another. Wouldn't that be nice? Right now, Rebecca is saying, Amen, preach it and then live it, boy. If only this guy up here was was living out what he was preaching. And and really, that is the vision, that is the call. And it is why God comes down to contend with us. Because we don't naturally do that. He needs to come down he says, "Uh, Boy, you better start serving that girl. Because that is what I have called you to do. If you do that, you will be making a name for me, not for yourself. You think about the American dream. Who does the American dream serve? Self. You need to have that the marriage and the two cars and the white picket fence and the house. That's all about building for yourself. That is not building for God. Now, God might give that to you in part of his response to you, but it is not the motive for why we do it. No, no. We we the motive for coming together as a couple is, hey baby, you are my. You want to be my co-laborer. You want to go into the chaos and produce life everywhere with me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to devote my life to serving you. Now that is very easy to say. It is much harder to do. But if we do not have that as the vision, man, we're we're lost already. And based on the on the divorce rate, both inside the church and outside the church, I would say we're lost. I would say we have forgotten the vision. But here the gospel comes back and says, no, this is what we are to do by faith. We are to make a name for God, and we do so by constructing uh, communities that serve one another. It is defined by mutuality and respect. This is why he takes, I think, from the side, not from the foot, not from the head. No, out of mutual respect because we are co laborers going into the, to the chaos together. And so there's that, that constant respect for one another that we have to have for one another, that it, she's not just here to serve me. No, how can I serve her? And again, I think she's saying, boy, maybe go keep this one on, you know, speed dial this sermon for you. Well, what's gonna happen then when you have this, if you are able to live this out by faith, what you're gonna have is you're gonna have healthy communication. Okay, that's just that's part of it. When you serve one another, you're going to want to listen. You're going to want to understand each other, and so you're going to have good communication. And you're probably sitting there going, Pastor, how, how, how are you getting that? Well, let's look at the opposite. Okay? Let's look at the opposite that was demonstrated in this passage. Because here's a group of people who abandoned their charter. Here's a group of people who devoted themselves to making a name for themselves. It's exactly what it says in the text. That they wanted to make a name for themselves. And what were they scared of? We want to build a city because we don't want to be scattered everywhere. We don't want to go into the chaos. Because we don't believe that you can provide or protect for us. And so here you have this... This city of what becomes Babylon, the Tower of Babylon, uh, Babel in Babylon. The first introduction to this city that is, is just kind of a, a, a type of, of, of the trouble all through Scripture. Babylon becomes this city that characterizes people who set their will above God's will. And so now we have the first introduction of Babylon... An introduction to this generational problem of people setting their will apart above God's. And here they are, they're abandoning their charter because they're responding to the chaos conflict with the other option, fear. And this is not what, what we should do, we should do. Is there reason to be fearful going into the chaos? Of course there is. It, it's, it is a challenge to go into this world, especially now that it is corrupted. But what are you going to do? you Are you going to respond in fear and make a name for yourself? Think bigger. God's got something bigger and more wonderful than you could possibly imagine than that limited vision of making a name for yourself. What does Scripture say over and over and over again? That, that God exalts the humble, but he opposes the proud. People that want to make a name for themselves, he's going to oppose, and you're not even going to be remembered. Even the great ones uh, are, are hardly remembered. Well, by fear, then, they make communities uh, that serve the self, but, you know, that's a problem, right? If the community is all about serving the self, do you see the problem, how that, how that becomes a problem? Yeah, because not every self can win. And so what happens Well, these communities get defined by oppression and hierarchy. I threw those terms in there for you. Oppression, hierarchy. They're catchwords these days. You know, the progressive world. Anybody? Anybody get that? I did that on purpose. That's like a preaching thing. Oppression and hierarchy. It's true, though. Do we have communities that have oppression and hierarchy in them? Of course we do. We have that in marriage. We have one party that says, I'm better than you. I'm more powerful than you, and I'm going to oppress you. And where there is going to be a hierarchy in our marriage, it happens in churches. It happens in cultures. Of course there is oppression in hierarchy. The problem with the progressive movement is they have identified the problem, but they have repeated the solution that the world continues to offer by saying, we're now going to make a new community that serves us. That's the problem. They just want to disrupt the same exact problem by recognizing, well, sure, there's oppression in hierarchy. We just, we the oppressed, just want to be on top of the hierarchy and serve ourselves. Folks, that is not the answer. It will never solve any of the problems simply to flip the the script. And so, no, by fear, you can't come at this by fear. You have to come back to this chaos conflict, responding in faith and constructing communities that are about others. Well, you see it in a lot of different ways, but you certainly see it. When we we saw this in Acts, what we saw is the corruption of communication or language was led to the, 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 the problems that we have with races, right? And civilizations and cultures, well, of course... That's part of the problem. Do you have hierarchy and oppression between the cultures? Yes! All through history you've had that. But the answer is not simply to then just put the other race on top of another. No, you have to come back to it and say, wait a minute. We have to make a whole new community that is based on this idea, this vision of serving one another. You know, there was a guy who did that. Did you know that? There's a guy who did this? Yeah. Yeah. His name's Jesus. He did that. He created this thing called a church. And that's this community. That's what this vision of the church is based on, a community where they love one another. Wouldn't it be nice to go to one of these churches where people loved one another? Man, that would be fun. If you find one, man, tell me where it is because I would like to go because I think I could manipulate them and really get to the top of the hierarchy pretty quickly on that. No, no. This is exactly what the church was designed to do. And and, and the the thing that we can find funny about that is really tragic. Because I think we've all experienced communities, even faith communities, not live it out. And and that's just ridiculous. We we just copycat the cultural uh, understanding of going, no, I'm going to be in a community where it serves me. What can I get out of this? Think about, as you try to think about church shopping. You know, you go into a new community and you start looking around and you go, what can this church do for me? What is the children's program like? What is the, uh, you know, uh, the teaching and the preaching? Uh, what can I get, uh, what about the worship music? How can they serve me, right? Our whole, our whole approach to even finding a church is already set and and messed up. It's corrupted, and so we have to come back and we go, no, in faith, I'm going to go in and I'm going to ask the question, is there a place to serve others in a church community? In this church, are you able to serve? And, well, you know, I got some ideas. If you wanted to have that approach and you wanted to contact Bob or myself or Luke, we've got lots of ways that you can serve Rebecca certainly has a long list of things that she could use some help with. But you see, that's the approach, right? The one is designed by fear, responding to the chaos conflict, and coming back and going, no, it needs to be about me. And the other is driven by faith, making a name for God. You see, it's not making a name for Kona Bible Church. It's not making a name for any of the churches here. It's about how can you make a name for God? And is there a church in town that you can go and be a part of a group of people who are making a name for God because they are committed to serving one another? That's the question. It's not the, it, it, these other things are defined by, by oppression and hierarchy. But guess what? When you have those communities that are devoted to making a name for self, there's a judgment. Because that's exactly what happened in Babel the tower of babel there's a judgment for that and god's going to come down and he's going to go i'm not going to let you do that i'm not going to let you try to somehow experience life in the wrong way and so there's no telling what you can do you know the spacex just landed we're up in space we're taking average joe's up in space now that's crazy right four people just randomly uh, two of them were randomly picked they went up into the space and 3 days later they came back down It's crazy. We can do amazing things. The the human intellect and the human charter, think about bringing order to the chaos. Now we're going into space to bring order to the chaos, but it's corrupted, I think. I don't know if we're exactly bringing order and purpose quite yet, but we have that ability to bring order and and purpose to the chaos of space. That's what eternity is going to be. Us going, continuing to live out and get to know an infinite God and his infinite creation by bringing order and purpose to the chaos of the universe. We're going to do amazing things, but right now it's a little bit corrupted. And so are we going to respond in faith or are we going to respond in fear? If you respond in fear, you're going to make communities and they're going to be judged for their, their, uh, this self-motivation. And one of the ways that he judges going to corrupt that communication. He will not allow it to stand because think about that just in a relationship. When you're in a relationship and it's all about you, you're just trying to tell the other person what to do and what to think. Right? You're not spending any time trying to get to I mean this is like counseling 101. You sit down and you what is the counselor trying to get the couple to do? Can you just for a moment, one moment, one before can you just listen to the other person? That's all you're trying to do just stop the madness and listen to the other person and do you know how how successful that is not very because they are committed to making a community that is there to serve their own needs and so instead of listening they just come back and they say no 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 here's what you but you need to know this no 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 but she doesn't get that no but she doesn't do that and it's all about the self and so there's that judgment that happens on communication. But it's not there. When you have a community by faith that is making a name for God, it will be characterized by good communication. Because the people are devoted to serving one another. And when you're devoted to serving one another, you're going to spend the time listening and getting to know the person. So once again, I am not asking you. This is difficult, Right? When we step off, and when God comes down to contend with us on this issue, are you going to respond in fear, or are you going to respond in faith? I I get it. Going into the chaos is a big deal. Uh, And we're going to go one way or the other. And and him inviting us to take this step of faith, it is not a blind step of faith. It is a proven, well-worn path. And he comes back and he says, all you have to do, there are telltale signs of whether or not you're on the path. And here's one of the telltale signs, you'll have good communication. So when it comes to your marriages, when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to the churches, when it comes to interacting with other racial groups, the real question comes down to is, are you having good communication? That's one of the telltale signs that you're in it to win it and to serve others. If you're not, then one of the telltale signs will be, I just don't get it. I mean, how many times did we go down the merry-go-round last year? Black lives matter. No, 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 no. All lives matter. No, no, no. Black lives matter. No, all lives matter. And you just went around and around on the merry-go-round because nobody stopped to take the time and say, tell me what you mean when you say black lives matter. And tell me what you mean when you say all lives matter. Because they were only in it for themselves. So God's going to come down. He's going to contend with each one of us on something. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's church. Maybe it's some kind of racial situation. But he's going to come down and he's going to contend with you. And I want you to wrestle back. He'll bless the journey. But how is he going to speak to you? It's going to come down to this. He's going to beckon you. To, to come into a response with faith. He's going to say, follow me, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man is going to experience peace. No man is going to experience life without following me. And, and so how do we do that? Well, in the Lutheran service, we have, we have communion every Sunday. right? And, and we have this opportunity every Sunday to come up and we have the, to crucify the self. We have an opportunity to recognize that the the corruption that we experience is just, it's not helping. So we have to somehow kind of cooperate with the Holy Spirit to overcome the corruption. That's what Acts was all about. And to be able to see this vision that he has for our communities, marriage, churches, families, the entire communities. And to be able to follow him by faith and say, I'm going to serve one another. The only way it's going to happen if I crucify the flesh. Will you pray that today? Will you invite the Holy Spirit to continue the work that was started when you said, I believe there's a God who's able to raise the dead back to life through the forgiveness of the corruption that I experience on a regular basis. Father, that is our prayer. Will you please be so gracious to pour out your Holy Spirit once again on us so that we can experience new life an overcoming of this corruption that we experience on a regular basis father it's a it's a it's a unique way to tackle it but that's what you have modeled for us in your son's life he has come and he has said i will die to self to serve the other father how can i do that with my wife how can we do that in this church Father, how can we do this in our community? How can we die to ourselves, Father, please pour out your spirit and empower us to overcome. We ask these things in your son's name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.